All right. Well, good morning, everyone. We're so glad that you're joining us today and the second week of our Stronger series. Wasn't that just an awesome song? Uh, one of my favorite verses in Psalm 23, and talks about God is chasing us down to pour his favor and his grace out on each and every one of us. I pray that you would be able to experience that in your life and that today would be part of that as we get to learn more about him together. So I, Ron Thompson, I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to be able to speak today, but also to greet you. And uh, first of all, I just want you to know I'm so glad that you're watching. Second, I want you to know, for those of part of our family, I miss you. I miss seeing you. I miss the handshakes. I miss the attaboys. I miss the teases we have with each other. And as we sang today, I sat here and looked around the room and pictured your faces where you would typically sit and have been praying for you. And it's just really helped me to be comforted to know that even though we're not together, we can still have an opportunity to be together this way and to show that love for each other. So we're talking about a series. We're talking about how we can, uh, at the end of this period that we're in, COVID-19, that each one of us would be able to look back and we'll say, you know what? I didn't like it. I didn't want it but I'm stronger because it came into my life. We're talking about developing a courage that it grows inside of us. It strengthens our muscles. You know the only way that muscles grow is if they're broken down. And so we're gonna have times where we're broken down, but we wanna be able to have more courage at the end of this than we had in the beginning. Now, the inspiration for this series came from one of my favorite verses from Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. And Joshua had been handled, handed the baton of leadership from Moses. And he was about to lead the Hebrew people into the promised land, you know, the land of milk and honey, all that stuff. Well, this was not going to be an easy undertaking. And as Joshua was looking into what would be a tenuous future, he needed God's assurance that he would be with him. And these words were God's words of promise and assurance to Joshua. And I hope that they will be for you as well. God said to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. These verses have been, this verse has been one of my favorites for a long time with me. In fact, uh, our son, Ryan Joshua, is named after this promise that he would grow up to be a man of courage and not discouraged, but really that he would be able to know that God is his God. Well, I had a visit from what I'm calling angels of encouragement on Friday evening. Here's a picture. They tagged our house right out in front of the driveway. They knew this was a favorite verse in this series. They came by and let, us, let me see that. I was so encouraged by that, that people know and remember. And they wanted to encourage me by doing that. And I pray that it be encouragement to you as well. So the key to developing courage and to be stronger as we face these chaotic times is not so much in the phrase, be strong and courageous, even though that's very good. And so uh, on one hand, that could be done by me and my self-will. You know, kind of like pull myself up by the bootstraps and just say, okay, I'm going to be strong and courageous right now. But you know what? That only goes so far. The key to that verse is the part that says, I will be with you. The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So here's what God was saying to Joshua. And this is what I think that God is saying to us as well. If you believe that I am with you wherever you go, and I'll just add, in whatever circumstance you face, 
then you will be able to be stronger and you will walk courageously into a future before you even though you don't know what's in that future and what all it will bring. So the key to courage then is that I would get to know God better, that I would have a more intimate relationship with him. As theologian A.W. Tozer said, what you think about God is the most important thing about you. Think about that. What you think about God is the most important thing about you because what you believe about God, it determines what you believe about everything else. We're going to talk about how he is the creator and he formed everything. And so we need to know him and what he says about his creation. It determines how you do during these times of good and also during the times of chaos that we're facing right now. And one of the principles that we need to hold on to as we move forward in this life is that God desires to be known. He desires to know us and that we would know him. And he desires that we would know him deeply, not just some facts about him, but have an intimacy with him. So he reveals himself so that we can know him better. And he did this by giving us his name, or in the case of this series, his names. In this series, we're approaching this mystery, and it is a mystery, of knowing God through the names he gave his people through certain times of, many times, of crisis and difficulty when they needed to know that they were not alone, that he was with them, that he would provide. And he says, I am, and then he gives and reveals his character and demonstrates his power and his glory. As God gives us his name, he's revealing his character to us, his beauty to us, and he's demonstrating his power to rescue, to save, to heal, to provide, to bring peace, to bring stability, to know that we are seen and known by him. John read this verse a moment ago, Psalm 910. It says, those who know your name, what do they do? They trust in you. They trust in you because they know your name. For you, O Lord, have never, never forsaken those who seek you. That's the promise that we can all have. When we know his name, we can know him. And when we know him, we can then walk with confidence and trust. We can grow in courage in the face of chaotic times. So as we study these names in these series, we just need to remember, these were not names given to God by men or women. These were names that God gave himself. I love this quote by theologian Herman Bavinck. He says this, there's an intimate link between God and his name. According to scripture, this link is not accidental or arbitrary, but forged by God himself. We do not name God, he names himself. So if you were with us last week, I just wanna encourage you if you weren't, that you might wanna watch last week at another time. We talked about three benefits that can come into our lives from knowing God's names. The first one we said is it strengthens our worship because now we know him and it makes us even more fervent in our declarations of praise to him through our worship, through our life, through our singing, through our prayers. It strengthens our prayers. So now that I know his name, I can come to him by name and I can pray what that name means and ask him to help me in certain situations. And then last, we said it strengthens our courage. It gives us courage to step forward with him as we move into a future that may be uncertain. So I just want to begin by uh, today showing you the top three names that God gives. We covered one of these last week. I'm going to cover the next two today in our time together. This is how God describes himself. And here's my prayer. 
My prayer is that after you watch this message today, after you listen, after God works in your heart, my prayer is that none of us will ever read our Bibles the same again. That we will see God in a new way. Leap off of the pages of Scripture so that we can know him. So last week we looked at the name Yahweh and we talked about how God gave this name to Moses. When Moses asked God when he was going to go to the Egyptians and say, let my people free, he said, who shall I say sent me? And God said, well, tell them I am sent you. Tell them Yahweh sent you. My name is I am who I am. I will be to you all that I am. So this is what Yahweh means. We learned that Yahweh means the eternal self-existent God the eternal, self-existent God. Now, it's the most common name used for God in the Bible. Somewhere around 6,800 different times God is referred to as Yahweh in the Bible. You'll recognize it. It won't be Yahweh in our Bibles, in our English Bibles. It'll be capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. So every time you see those letters in capital, Lord, you know that it's referring to Yahweh. Yahweh is greater than we can ever imagine. He's closer than you can ever imagine. And he cares for you more than you can ever imagine. The next name is Elohim. Now, Elohim means mighty creator God. Mighty creator God. And Elohim is the second most used name for God in the Bible. Somewhere around 26 or 2,700 different times that we find the name Elohim used for God in the Bible. And it's translated into English as G-O-D. God. Capital G-O-D. That's how we know that the writer of Scripture was being inspired by God to use the name Elohim. We're going to look at that today. And you're going to recognize Elohim because it's always translated as God in our English Bible. He's the strong one. He has the power. He's our mighty creator. And then the last name that we'll talk about today is Adonai. It's the third most common name used by God. It means sovereign master God. Sovereign master God. It's used around 400 times in our Bibles. And it's translated into English as capital L, lowercase o, lowercase r, lowercase d. So you have capital L, lowercase, and that's how you will know when you're reading the name Adonai in your Bibles. Adonai means master, ruler, owner. It's the idea that God is in charge of all things, including my will. He owns it all. He rules. So I'm going to put those up on the screen for you one more time, and I want to walk through this so that you'll get what I'm talking about, about not reading your Bible ever the same. So when you read the Bible and you have capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, in all caps, it means Yahweh. Remember that. Yahweh, the eternal, self-existent God. When you read the Bible and you come across capital G-O-D, it's referring to Elohim, the mighty creator God. And when you read the Bible and you come across capital L, lowercase O-R-D, that is referring to Adonai, sovereign master God. And I'm praying for you and I'm praying for me that we really get this today because it's life-changing when we do. So let's just read this next verse out loud. I'm going to talk about this and help us to understand now what we just did. So we're going to read it out loud right there in your living room. Maybe it's in your car or wherever you are right now. I'm going to ask if you'll just look at your screen, not if you're driving, of course. Look at your screen, and I'm going to ask you if you'll read this out loud with me. Ready? Go. 
For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. Now I want to help you. I want to go back and do what we just talked about, and I'm going to read it again, and I'm going to insert the names for God that are in this verse. For the Lord, notice the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital E. That's Yahweh. For the Lord, Yahweh, your God, Elohim, is God, Elohim, of the gods, and Lord, capital L, lowercase, Adonai, of the lords, the great God, Elohim, mighty and awesome. So you see, when you read it, you're just not reading about God. You're reading about a majestic God who these names have a different meaning and a different implication and an application into our lives that we get to know him. When you apply the Bible using the names that God has given, the scripture comes to life for you in a new way. So I'm going to talk just for a minute today about Elohim and Adonai, and we'll spend most of our time on Elohim. Just want you to know that. And how we, when we know these names, it can help establish our trust in him, and we can have a stronger trust. The first thing we can know this, we can trust that God is our creator. That's what we can trust based on the word Elohim. He is our creator. You'll be fascinated by this. The word Elohim occurs 35 times in Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 2, verse 4, 35 different times. We're first introduced to God as Elohim in verse 1 when it says, In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. Elohim created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, that means there was no beginning before God. God exists outside of time. He existed before anything existed. He's the self-existent one. So if he's outside of time, it means that he existed before time began, and he actually started time. He created time. If God created the sun, the moon, and the stars, it means that he's outside of them. He's not confined to space. He's not confined to time. Being mighty, mighty creators, one of those concepts, I know, I know I'm feeling this too, even as I speak to you, it kind of short circuits the wiring in our brain. It's a mystery. But this is who God says he is. And when we trust that God is who he says he is, then we can trust that God will do what he says that he's going to do. Being mighty creators, one of those concepts then that we need to understand. In the beginning, God. God existed before the beginning. So this is so important you guys, that we align ourselves to what God's word says to us about God and about us in our world because he is our divine maker. He's our divine creator. So when I study nature, and I don't know about you, but it's one of the thrills we have uh, for living here. Those of you who are watching in other parts of the world right now, you don't quite have what we have. I'm sure you have your own beauty in nature, but we have a specific beauty right now with the flowers that are in bloom, the pollen that's also coming out, so that's not so pretty. But then the beauty all around us. See, there's one thing that happens inside of me every single time. I'm awestruck. I'm awestruck by what God did. I'm awestruck by the intricacy and the form and what that does for me is it wants me to move me to take my eyes off the creation and put my eyes onto the creator to see him. I love this quote from Ann Spangler. If you look on our website, you're going to find a little, you can find a link and you can go down and it says Pastor's Picks. 
Last week I quoted from Tony Evans and this week from Ann Spangler. There's several books there that you might want to get yourself that you can read, that you could learn more. But this is what she says. She said, a mighty God could have created a world quite different from the one we know. It could have had perpetually dark skies, like if you lived in Seattle or Portland or somewhere like that where they don't see the sun very often. So those of you who know that don't like that at all. It could have had grass that hurt to walk on. We got grass right out here in front of our building, and right now with all the social distancing going on, uh, our grass is getting heavily used, but it wouldn't be getting heavily used if it was sharp and hurt to walk on. I like this next one. Dogs that couldn't be housebroken. He could have done that. Some of you have one of those dogs, right? <laughs> but that's not the way God made it to be. And peopleable and capable of love, but instead he made us capable of love. Have you ever wondered why the world you take for granted is often so stunningly beautiful, so pleasant to live in? Why the people around you are capable of so much kindness? So often we miss life's beauty because we are preoccupied with its flaws. This is one of my weaknesses. One of my weaknesses is that I am quick to see what's wrong quick to see what's wrong around me, in nature, in people, in myself. And what Anne is saying is that that's not what God wants from us. He wants us to look at the beauty he made, to take our eyes off of ourselves and to see life in a different way. So our God is the mighty God who created all things for our enjoyment. It was a joy for God to create, and he enjoys his creation. Did you know that? He enjoys it. So we celebrated Earth Day this week. Now, Earth Day is an annual observation to remind ourselves of the beauty and the fragility of creation. Now, I like to think of Earth Day a different way. I like to think of it as Creation Day. Creation Day. See, I'm more inclined to want to be part of protecting the planet when I realize that it's God's creation, and I'm here to serve his creation, not the other way around. Look at what it says in Isaiah 44. This is what the Lord, that's Yahweh, says. Your Redeemer who formed you in the womb, I am the Lord Yahweh, the maker of all things. So he's the creator of everything, who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. He needed no one to help him. And then we know God is Elohim. We can trust him to be the strong one when we face circumstances in which we feel we don't have strength. Okay, second thing is this. We know God is Elohim. We can trust that God is our sustainer. He's the one who sustains us. So Elohim, he has the power to create, and he has the power to sustain what he created. All things are held together by his mighty power and might. So that means when things change, he remains the same. Because he never changes. It's called his immutability. He has the power to sustain what he created. Psalm 54, 4 says, Surely God, Elohim, is my help. The Lord, Adonai, is the one who sustains me. I just think this is a great verse for us right now in our COVID-19 reality. We're facing change. Some change like many of us have never faced or been forced to face in our lives. We're facing changes in job security, we're facing changes in financial security. We're facing changes in the way we do work, school, play, recreation, workout, learn, entertain, socialize, even forced to change the way that we relate to our government. 
We're facing changes in the way we shop. We're facing changes in the way we do church. We're facing changes in the way we travel. And I want you to know that I'm feeling some of that same chaos from all the change that you're probably feeling as well. And what we need to grasp hold of and hang our hook on is that we know a God who never changes. He's always the same. As Yahweh, he's immutable. As Elohim, he's the creator and sustainer of all he's created. So in this time that we've been given, called COVID-19, we all have opportunity here, each and every one of us. We have so much more time to think than ever before. And what we realize, and many of us realize, is we have so much more on our shoulders that we're responsible to take care of. And what happens in this time, it's easy to feel overwhelmed, under-resourced, and ill-equipped. Feeling that there's so much more to carry, so we don't quite know how we can carry it all. So at times, it feels like there's so much uncertainty and so much chaos that the load actually feels smothering. And so I concluded these next verses that I want to read just for you if you're feeling that. So that you can know that even though everything feels uncertain, that God is certain and you can trust him because he never changes. Listen to these verses. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord Yahweh is the everlasting God, Elohim, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary or tired and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow weary and tired, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, Adonai, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint." Folks, that's God's promise to you. He is our sustainer, God. The third thing about Elohim I want to mention is this, is that we can know and trust that he is our restorer. He restores that which is broken. That means when your world looks like it's falling apart, it's not. That means he's going to take that which looks like it's for your ruin and restore you to the original design that he had planned. Let's go back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, beginning with verse 2. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Those are key words, formless and empty. Darkness, that's a key word, was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light, that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. So if you allow me a minute, what happens here is that God showed his creative power when he take the, took the chaos that's listed in Genesis chapter 2, and he created order. He created order, and he did it by giving us light, light that would illuminate that early part of creation. The Hebrew words that have been translated as formless and empty, they mean a wasteland. I don't know if you've seen the movie Mad Max, but kind of like that kind of land, a wasteland. Or it could refer actually to a garbage dump. 
If this is accurate, when we look at that, when God was looking at that, what we learn from this is that God Elohim has the power to take what looks or appears to be broken and renovate or restore it to its creative potential that he makes. So you know what today? Today you may be living underneath, you feel, the fruit of the choices that you've made or the ramifications of the choices of others. And I want you to know that God Elohim has the power to make all things new. I tell you folks, this is so important for us to hold on to because we live in a broken world. We live in a broken world where broken and hurt people hurt and break others. That's the kind of world we live in. And it's good to know that God can take that which was meant for disaster or calamity and use it for our good and for his glory. His glory. He has the power to bring order out of chaos and restore his creation. Jeremiah 32 says, Then the word of the Lord, Yahweh, came to Jeremiah I am the Lord Yahweh, the God Elohim of all mankind. And then he says this, after all those declarations of who he is, is anything too hard for me? And the obvious answer is no. Nothing is too hard for him. He has the power to create. He has the power to sustain. He has the power to restore. The fourth idea is this, and now we're going to move into the idea of Adonai, is we can trust God as our Adonai when we make him our sovereign master, our sovereign master God, when we make him that, when we make him our Lord, if we want to use those terms. Because God is Elohim and creator of all things, he's also the owner of all things. Folks, I just want to say, if you've been drifting off for just a minute, and I know how that can be sometimes, maybe you've got a text and you've been answering the text, I want you to zone back in. I want you to listen to me for the next five minutes. What we're talking about here is we're talking about a way of life that is developed based upon the worldview that I have. The worldview that shapes my perception of the way I see everything around me, of the way I see critical issues and how I respond to them, of the way we see some of the hot button issues in our world today. The difference here, the difference is that there is a huge values clash going on in our culture today between those who to submit to God as Lord and say, you're Lord and you call the shots in my life and those who submit to no one else except themselves. There's a huge values class happening in our world today. And folks, as his people, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we acknowledge him as the source of all there is. As his people, we acknowledge him as the creator of all there is. As his people, we acknowledge him as the sustainer and restorer of all there is. As his people, we acknowledge him as Lord of all, over everything. And we do that by our willingness to bow down and surrender and submit to him, to worship him, to say to him, God, you call the shots for my life. So he's Yahweh, he's the self-existent one, he's Elohim, he's the mighty creator, and he's Adonai, the sovereign master Lord. Let's look at this, some verses that talk about his ownership. Psalm 100 says, Know that the Lord Yahweh is God, Elohim. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. He made us, we are his sheep. 
He puts us in a pasture to live. And so what it means there is we're underneath the authority of our creator. I love the phrase that we're underneath the umbrella of authority of God's word. We're underneath the umbrella of authority. And when we live underneath the umbrella of authority, we're living within the promises of God, the goodness of God that we sing about, that he's chasing us down because he wants to pour his favor out upon us. See, this is what makes those who worship God different from those who don't. We have, those who worship God have given up the idea of personal ownership and they've turned their lives and their resources over to him. We know that we're no longer owners. What are we? We are servants. He is our master and we are here to serve him. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's, Yahweh, and everything in it the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and he established it on the waters. So if you want to know and understand Adonai, he's the Lord over all creation. He's the Lord over all people. He's the Lord over all nations. And because of that, our response is simply to bow down and worship and surrender and submit to him. And we surrender him and we submit to him. There's what we can do. We can trust him to take care of us. We can trust him, even though we can't trust and see what's going on around us, we can trust that he's there for us. One of my favorite verses, again, I guess I just love God's word, is Psalm 16, too. I say to the Lord, Yahweh, you are my Lord, Adonai. Apart from you, I have no good thing. See, I love how when you read from Genesis chapter 1, you read through Genesis 1, it talks about God at 32 different times. It says this, and God said, and God said, and God said, and Elohim said, and Elohim said, and Elohim said. He speaks, and it comes into existence. He says it, and it happens. And he made it all out of nothing. Simply his breath made everything we see. And I want you to think of the variety now and the creativity and beauty and complexity of his creation. Isn't it amazing when you think about it, when we see it? He's the God who didn't just make roses, but he made every kind of flower that we see and smell. He's the God who was too big to be contained by just making one kind of flower. He had to make multitudes of flowers for us to experience. He's the God who, when you look at the skies at night, was too creative to just be satisfied with one look. You know, you walk outside and there's a static look every time you look out at night. No, it's always changing. He didn't just make one sunrise. He made sunrises after sunrise after sunrise that we can see day after day after day in all of its beauty and all of its wonder. He's the God who delights in doing things creatively, powerfully, and he created everything out of nothing. And after he created everything, he looked at what he had done, and he said this about creation. He said, this is good. This is very good. God's creation was incredible even to God. God was amazed by what he had created by his own creation. Imagine what kind of response he wants from us. He wants us to bow down to him. He wants us to surrender our wills to him. He wants us to submit our plans to him. He wants us to worship him. Even the rocks are going to cry out to him. And because of that, he wants us, the pinnacle of his creation, 
to thank him, to worship him, to surrender to him. I'm going to give you a treat now. We're going to watch a video. Take a risk here. We're going to watch a video that describes creation from God's point of view. It shows the heartfelt response of worship as we feel and look at what God has done with awe and wonder. And we can say with God, this is good. Let's watch this and then I'll come back and pray with us. God of creation, there at the start before the beginning of time. With no point of reference, you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life. And as you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born. In the vapor of your breath, the planets form. And if the stars amaze and worship so light, I can see your heart in Every burning star signal fire grace And if creation sings a praises so
chase down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On the hill you created, the light of the world, abandoned in darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. We well, you lost your life so I could find it here. And if you left the grave behind you so alive, I can see your heart and everything you've done. Every part designed in a work of art called love. If you gladly chose surrender, so will I. I can see your heart and feel you different way. Every precious one, a child you died to. Like you would again a hundred billion times The one that you could amount to your desire You're the one who never leaves the one behind I hope that was as moving to you as it was to me. That's the God of creation. He made all that we see. He's a mighty God. He's a powerful God. But he loves every one. Every single one of his creations. He loves every one of you. And my prayer is that if you've never met that God, that you would meet him today. I'm just going to ask you now, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity this is a holy moment in every home, every house, every car, every device that's watching. It's a holy moment. We pray for no distractions. That we would surrender to you. Not out of force, not because we're scared, but because you love us. You gave yourself for each one of us, and so I pray today that we would say yes to what Jesus did when he came to show us your love. Say yes to that Jesus, that we would then say yes, that we want to surrender to you, God, as our Adonai, as our master, our sovereign master, in charge and control of all things. That walking with you is the best way that we could ever walk. God, I pray now that for anyone who was struggling as I was talking about, that you're the sustainer and they're struggling with needing sustenance right now, that they would turn to you, turn to you in prayer, that they would offer their prayers to you, that they would say to you now, I trust you, sovereign God, 
that you will meet my needs. And I'm not going to live in fear. I pray for everyone who during the session on restore that part that was that were feeling that someone had hurt them, broken them, abused them, caused them pain, caused them suffering, and that they were seeing themselves today as broken, that today they no longer have to see themselves that way, but can receive your healing. That's not how you view them. God, I pray for each one of us that we still have never been willing to bend that knee before you and surrender to your worldview. Help us to live according to what you say, God, and to follow you in every way. And God, I just want to say, when I watch that, I want to say, that's very good. <laughs> what you created, God, help us to experience you in a deep way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.